0: Welcome to another edition of TM3 Impact. My name is Tomas Martinez and today I have my dear friend David Demiello. He is the recently retired president and CEO of Project Quest and he's also retired with 33 years of service at USAA. David, I'm so fired up to have you on the TM3 podcast. Ah,
1: Tomas, good to see you. Thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it.
0: Yes, well, let's dive right in. Let's go. David, I want to know your San Antonio story. How did you come to live in this amazing city?
1: Wow, yeah, as old as I am, I have to go back in time, but I'm from a military family. So actually, originally from upstate New York, uh, Rome, New York. And because of being in the military, we were transferred down here in the late 60s, which brought us to a suburb of san antonio which was church texas and my dad was stationed at randolph air force base so that brought us here in the late 60s If okay. you know, that goes back and marks my age and time and so grew up in the church area right outside of san antonio we had a small uh, stint going back to new york when i was in high school lived in syracuse new york uh, which is the western part of the state for a while and then came back down here to settle once and for all in the mid-70s in the big town of Church, Texas.
0: Okay. Well, the military, City, USA. Military, yes, sir. I love it. I did not know that. I mm-hmm. didn't know it was the military that brought you here. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk a little bit about growing up in San Antonio at that time. You know, with your, uh, with your your mom, your brother, talk a little bit about growing up in San Antonio. What do you remember most about growing up in San Antonio?
1: Sure. You know, think about this, uh, Shirts at the time being a suburb of San Antonio was a very small tight-knit community tied to Randolph Air Force Base Mm -hmm. and growing up as the oldest of three boys in a single household Headed up by my mother. Yeah. So, those dynamics right there really kind of uh, shape a little bit of who you are. But, yeah. shirts and what I loved about growing up and went to Clemens High School was yeah. the, the diversity of the kids you got to play with and, and actually interact with. And I have some very dear friends that I had way back then. So, that close knit of the community yeah. uh, really kind of shaped a little bit of who I am. And then also, you know, like I said, being the oldest boy of three brothers and having a single mom who worked all the time puts a lot of different responsibilities on you mm-hmm. of how you navigate life going forward and so you certainly get those life lessons early on so those two things i think being in the the church community at that point and having a, a great uh, network of close friends that you grew yeah. up with but also then being in the family structure where you're you're expected to do a little bit more and have that little responsibility really shapes you yeah. know who you are and and you know i think about the kids today and if you go back to that time, summertime in those times, you're out playing in the yard. Yep. You know, you're you drinking water from a water hose. You're throwing the ball with your friends. And it was just a different way of growing up. In, and those days uh, really did, I think, impact and influence uh,
0: yeah. a little bit of who I am today. Yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah. Well, talk about – it sounds like – I read the article in the Express News. They were talking about Project Quest and, 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 mm. and really just – the amazing experience that you brought to, to what you did there and we'll get to that but i uh, you talked about you know growing up with uh with you know in a in a in a with a single mom you know mm. what i mean and growing up at that time what at what age were was it kind of like was your were you when you were like okay my parents you know they're, they're splitting up what what age Do you remember the age absolutely what age was i that? was 11 years old oh my now that's that's formidable. Yeah. That's formidable. Yeah. 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 at that time. So talk about the impact of mom in terms of just from that standpoint to getting you to where you, you know, start to leave high school. Yeah. She,
1: you know, my mom played a very influential role and in really stressed education. But going back to that point, that question that yeah. you brought up. And if you think about, again, different times and different eras, the idea of divorce in the early 70s was just it had a different uh, yeah, uh, reaction to it, you know? And so that was uh, a surprise and certainly jolted us in a, in a certain direction. And, but that was formative in that sense. Yeah. So if you think about that situation, that puts your mother, my mother uh, having to go to work. So she took a job in the HEB uh, warehouse yeah. uh, and worked night shift. So that's again, kind of cascades into being relatively young and then being thrust in that that role of like okay I'm in charge and I've got to help you know, make sure we navigate life a little bit and she certainly did uh, set an example you know my mom I think as far as showing a work ethic yeah. and the commitment to family and uh, stressing education even though she wasn't yeah. educated you know she yeah. was a, she grew up as a migrant farmer picking cotton from San Angelo to California so she didn't have the idea of Uh, an education but she knew how important it was if you take that and say she's a single mom she's got three boys she's working uh, a a tough job and doing night shift but yet I think sprinkled in those great life lessons just by the walk and talk Mm. and so that certainly influenced uh, me in that sense and my brothers also about you know it is how you show up it is yeah. about you know working hard it's about relationships you have to have a certain sense of self-reliance and responsibility to kind of be who you're going to be intentionally and and you know life's not easy sometimes you're going to get knocked down so all of that those life lessons got yeah. really packaged at a very young age and certainly shaped my journey trying to navigate coming out of high school and i wasn't a good high school Student by any shape of the imagination. I certainly was not college material And any of my former uh, or longtime friends that are listening to this podcast saying that guy. No, he was. And and that just is another example of you can't uh, picture someone at a certain age and and determine what the outcome is going to be. Right. Everyone's got a story.
0: Yeah. And the
1: story has a lot of life lessons into it. Like I said, engagement experiences that are going to shape you and where you start. It's not where you start, but how you finish and how you navigate along the way. And and for me, that that uh, childhood experience, so to speak, with uh, being in that kind of household certainly brought some great uh, lessons to me and my brothers. Yeah. That carried us forward mm-hmm. in a way that said, you know, it's not going to be easy. But you're gonna have to figure it out, and and how do you continue to persevere and work through that? And I think that's probably characteristics that carried me through coming out of that stage of life, trying to figure out how to get and do the education thing, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, you know, the work thing. Like I said, coming out of high school, I was definitely not college material. I limped into getting
0: into San Antonio College. I hear, I hear you (laughs) say that. I hear you say that. But I'm curious what you mean by that. So, because I have my definition of like college material, right? Because I had no plans to go to college, like zero. Okay, my mom had a different plan for me. It mm-hmm. kind of sound like your mom. Yeah, yeah, Moms yeah. have a different plan. Um, but but like sixteen-year-old high school David, like what what was sixteen-year-old high school David like? Like at that point, I
1: don't know if I can talk about that live here, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, so you think about it like yeah. this. Uh, you know, I was I played high school football, so okay. you, you know, you're kind of focused on that part of life and and what goes all into that, and so. Uh, the classroom time and the focus of that was not a priority for me. I, I feel you. Yep. Uh, yeah, so, so you're interested in different things. Yeah. And so the application of trying to figure out I need to study need to make the grades and all that was yeah. kind of secondary to the other part of uh, the experience, which is you know, playing ball, hanging out with your friends and doing yes. those kind of things. So it just had a little bit of a different focus. So I was not a, a dedicated student that certainly paid attention to his grades, yeah. Therefore, when it came time to finish high school, and I remember my mom, you know, kind of saying to me, you know, you need to go to school. You need to yeah. get an education. Yeah. She said, I don't know how we're going to pay for it. You got to go figure it out. And, and so that was really the, the launching point. Yeah. And how I figured it out is I, I took an attempt. I made an attempt to start at San Antonio College. Yeah. Lasted probably about six to eight weeks. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I quit. Because I said I'm, I just wasn't for you, me.
0: You just said I'm done.
1: I'm done. Interesting. And, and took a job, and I was, I did a job where I was working at a, a, a Seal Corporation in brothels Okay. Did some work at the Sheraton Motor Inn on Austin Highway, and, and so that was a, a pause to kind of reset. However, yeah. you know, I think that that pause, and I looked around at some of the things that were going on, and I went, this is not good. I need to mm. really think about it. So I did after a year go back in to SAC and kind of tried to uh, buckle down and, and get through SAC. And I did. So yeah. a couple of years of going through SAC and then thank goodness. And I, and this is why my affinity for UTSA at that time, because UTSA in the early eighties was still just uh, growing up Yeah, and uh, that, and they were taking all comers to get into school. And you know, I had just good enough grades coming out of SAC to then transfer and get started at UTSA. And at that time, UTSA was four buildings. And my wife and I, Cindy, had gotten married right around that time, too. So she was a chemistry major at UTSA, and I was an accounting business data systems major in the the 80s, and we got married. So we kind of made that track through there. And again, UTSA for me was that gateway. I've talked about this many, many times that uh, had it not been for UTSA and allowing me the opportunity to get an education – and And acquire that particular uh, credential or degree, I'm not sure where, where life would have been. Yeah. And so you know for the last you know thirty years or so, I've been very much uh, supporting the UTSA programs because you know, education is important. Yep. And for people which I consider like me, that are just trying to find their way through, you need avenues to get into uh, opportunities to build your you know, credentials and your mm-hmm. expertise. And so UTSA at that time allowed that. And then by the grace of God, just being able to uh, interview with USAA. So it's kind of interesting how these, these dots connected and it really just comes back to just persevering and staying in the game, you know, stay the course, stay the course. And, and having the support of people like my wife and others who we, we worked hard to get through there, but then the UT, the USAA opportunity occurred on the campus of UTSA. So I, Finally got through, graduated, and entered uh, a program or training program at, at USA. USAA. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and and so I always look back and say, I don't know how that happened, but I think the underlying thing, if uh, folks are trying to kind of consider how to navigate life, it's, it comes back to the basic fundamentals. You know, it's it's about having the perseverance and the the, the determination or dedication to move forward and want something better yeah. and be willing to lean into it. But then also having other people around you because you don't do it alone. Yep. And and you know the thing about life lessons and the people you meet—you never accomplish anything by yourself. And so having that foundation that you know a mother who stressed the education, who said you need to go this way—I don't know how you're going to get there—but and then role modeled it in her own behavior mm. kind of sets that foundation. And you can see that in my brothers too. Uh, yeah. Dean and John have the same underlying qualities about them that yeah. they're just going to be determined to to have some degree of uh, success however they define it. Yeah. And so that pathway and those dots connect which led me to that opportunity to USA and For I 33 years. Yeah, and and I'll tell you Tomas, it's Amazing. You know, uh again, it's funny how life is, but I never at that point in time imagined say okay, this is going to be a lifelong career.
0: Yeah. It was Of course, yeah, yeah at
1: that point you're you're 22, 23 years old. Yeah. You kind of, I thought at that time, it's a great opportunity. Let's get some experience. Cindy was finishing up her uh, chemistry degree at that time. I said, I'd give her a chance to get her degree. Then we'll figure out where it goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing just led to another. Yeah. And uh, through the uh, USA, again, Mm -hmm. another uh, organization that I have a great deal of respect for. I mean, their internal training and development programs at that time just offered opportunities. Yeah. And I think, again, if you want to flip that to kind of a lesson learned conversation, those opportunities, whether you're in a corporate organization or whatever you're doing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, opportunities present themselves, but you got to prepare yourself
0: yeah. for the opportunity. No, 100 percent, which it, this is what it, this is what's interesting, because I want to go back, because I, I, I think for most people, when they when they quit something right. They quit and there's this idea of like, uh, they go through some type of pain. So you quit, you leave sack, right? Mm -hmm. You're right. And now had you met your wife at that point? Mm -hmm. Had y'all started dating it already at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So y'all are dating already. Now was she already in school?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did
0: she stay in school during that time? When you kind of stepped back from school,
1: she stayed in school. But later on, she actually stopped going to school yeah. to help
0: support us to get through school. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, again, that's powerful. Right. But yeah. going back to that moment when you kind of backed away from school, i if you took your brain back there, what, what do you think was the the what was the catalyst to say, yeah, this isn't for me at this point? Because like, I, I I know that there's some people that are going to hear this, mm-hmm. that are going to connect with this in a way mm-hmm. of maybe they might find themselves at that point where they can kind of connect mm-hmm. to what was it that had you say, yeah, I don't really feel like doing this, right? And then I want to follow that back up with, and then what made you go back because you know, going back to something you start is hard. It's mm-hmm. really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, to that first part of that is w- answer that first part of that question that I, a- that I just asked there. What was that pain point?
1: Yeah, I have to go back and really kind of think through that. But for me, uh, you know, the the teenage version of David back then, I think just was lacking confidence. Okay. I mean, there was there was certainly a, cla- a, a, a an element of. Uh, lack of confidence because I'd never been performed as a student. I didn't think that was the pathway. You know, young, wanting to kind of hang out and not have to have the responsibility. So not being able to think you could, that this was the path that I could actually do it uh, was probably the most important thing. And probably having that element of just laziness and just being very complacent and saying, not wanting to do it and think I can figure this out. So that's the first part of the question. Right. Uh, but then, as you as you step away, and, and I can remember this distinctly, you know, I was working at uh, I'll leave the corporation uh, on, but I was working at a steel corporation in New Braunfels, and so night shift, and okay. we yeah, so night shift. Think about this. So we would go in. You're 20.
0: How old are you at this time? Yeah,
1: I'm probably 18, 19, okay. something All like right. that. All right, fair. And uh, night shift. So we would go to work, and we'd start work at 3:15 in the afternoon. We would work to 1:15 in the morning a Night shift, four nights a week, and then you'd work half a day on Friday. So you're putting in forty-five hours a week, but you're working crazy hours. Mm-hmm. And if I remember correctly, and someone could probably research this, but I think the, the the wage rate at that point I'm probably making two eighty-five an hour, two eighty-five, something like that. Okay, something crazy like that. And you know, the environment that you're working in certainly was eye-opening to me and saying, this is, where do you go from here? You know, yeah. certainly you could, I mean, I had the insight to say this is a dead end in that sense, I didn't want that. And then, so you know, moving back home and having to kind of reset there. Uh, that's yeah. a pain point. That's a pain point. Yes. And then resetting and then, you know, getting back uh, to uh, work closer to home. So I was working back at the Sheraton. So those experiences, really, you could see that even at that age, there's nowhere to go.
0: Mm. And so that idea
1: about education certainly kept ringing true, and so it was like,
0: hey, I need to do this. Did and you meet anybody that said anything to you? You know what I mean? Because sometimes you, you kind of come cro- across paths with somebody, and they just say something, and you're just kind of like, it brings, it's like, because of what your parents say, we don't want to hear it. right? But right. it's like, the, did someone ever just say something to you no. that they saw something in you? At that time? Later in life. Later, okay, yeah. Not at that point. Not at that point in time.
1: I mean, at that point, I think it was really pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and saying, you know, if I'm going to do something, I've got to be able to take care of that myself. Yeah. And, but still foundationally about, you know, some of the things you learn when you're a kid, like I talked about earlier, Mm -hmm. were still present. And this, this, you know, ringing uh, voice in my head about the importance of education and, Mm -hmm. and, and trying to build a life through that certainly was still there, so it pushed me back in that direction. Yeah. And it was certainly now looking back on it it was clearly the right thing to do and and be, and I think because of that the work that I did at USAA but uh, the work I did later at Quest was because of that journey, you know I think you and I both talk about this that uh, education and training are so important and the people that you know I had a chance to work with later in my career that lacked that confidence and I think it just comes back to not having expectations set or having the confidence of how to go do that or the mm-hmm. belief that you can do that I think that if I look back on my my journey and if you talk about it from a life lesson standpoint that uh, it can be done it's not going to be an easy path but it's worth the path you have to just kind of lean into it and put mm-hmm. the sweat sweat equity into it and that's kind of my storyline that said from from beginning through the things we talked about to where I ended up eventually it was a long journey you asked this question about uh did someone see something yeah yeah and they yes the short answer to that is yes as I said that people you don't ever achieve any degree of success on your own and 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 I've said that a few times and in particular to drive that point home from a life lesson standpoint I was very early in my career at USA and I'm saying early 33 years in the first 10 years of that career and as I got to uh You know, being there about eight or nine or 10 years, I took a a particular role in the company, but there was an executive who uh, had that conversation with me because I think that the thing that I tried to do, and I think anybody uh, that's listening could uh, relate to this, that I've always believed it's how you show up. Mm -hmm. And that, that work ethic thing really carries through. So I always tried to approach whatever assignment or whatever work I did Uh, with that idea of 100% all in, I'm going to give it my best. So I had a, I think I demonstrated to those around me a a strong work ethic and a commitment to to do good work. And I think that got noticed. And again, the lesson is you never know who's watching. Yeah. You know, you never know who's watching you. You know, you're always kind of interviewing. You're always, if you're, if you have that idea. So that point in time, uh, I remember it distinctly. He calls me in the office. And he uh, says to me, and I'm, and I think at that time, I'm probably like in my early thirties. Okay. Think about it. And he goes, Hey Dave, uh, have you ever thought about your career? He goes, you do really good work. I've noticed you. And so, uh, we had what I would call my first mentoring conversation ever in my life where someone really kind of, as you said, stepped in and said, Hey, I've noticed you. I think you're doing a good job. And uh, I'd like to know what, what interests you have and where you want to, take your career mm. so that I will tell you was a, a pivot point a pivot point you know in you know my journey in my story and so that conversation led to uh, a mentoring relationship and at that particular point in time a USAA had a program that was called MAP and MAP stood for management access program so my mentor said I think You'd be a great candidate, and MAP was a way internally to develop talent and create avenues for people to take on greater leadership responsibility. Okay, yeah. So at that time, I'm a, I am a uh, information asset protection analyst, cyber security person at that point at USA in the IT side, and through that relationship, he helped uh, promote me. I had to go through a series of tests and interviews. Yeah. And so a handful of internal candidates were identified to go into this map program and that changed the whole trajectory of my professional life but it goes back to that story so i left the work that i was doing in the it side and spent the next 18 months or so in this internal development program learning about usa top to bottom yeah and eventually being uh, prepared to take on my first leadership role. So July 1995, I become the director of organizational planning there, and that was my first formal leadership role. After spending- what, And what, at what age? I'm um, 34. Wow. 34 years old.
0: That's really cool. Yeah.
1: And so the patience of having spent almost 10 years in the organization, and again, it, uh, <laughs> what I really appreciate about USA, it, it's you know thousands of people, mm-hmm. but being able to be identified in that group and have that opportunity along with others it wasn't just me there was a other group of folks that had that same opportunity to move into this role and so i was taken out of my formal day-to-day job and spent like i said 18 months you know in that role which led me to taking that first leadership role but it comes back to the things we're talking about if you think about the lessons and connecting those dots having that foundation Mm -hmm. and some sense of responsibility uh demonstrating some degree of perseverance and commitment to move forward and then having people that care about you intervene mm-hmm. and you know I'd be remiss if I'd even and, and add to that my you know Cindy has been great with me and she certainly sacrificed a lot along the way but she played a critical role mm-hmm. especially at that very early stage of just pr- being supportive and, and helping uh, promote the ideas so let's keep moving forward. And so, you know, it, you do stand on the shoulders of the others. If I could just tell you one yeah, more story. Please. One more, one more yeah. story. So, so fast forward. I just told you it's July of 1995. And so you, you take on this role, and then there's a whole different level of journey that starts. And that's why, again, I think USA and its management development programs really were amazing. So I progress through uh, a couple of different levels, and then uh, I am promoted to uh, executive director That title at USA at that time was uh, the first entry level for executive leadership. Yeah. So you move from director, you become an executive director. And so now it's probably 1998 or so. Okay. So there's a a celebration that takes place. Uh, The old Aldo's there on Fredericksburg Road that was there, they're now on I-10. Yeah. We had a little luncheon there uh, in that time, and it was to celebrate the promotion. It was a promotion luncheon. Yeah. And so, uh, handful of people, about fifteen, twenty people there, and uh, Reggie, Reggie Williams, who was the, the gentleman I'm talking about that actually became my mentor, and we, uh, and we the one we, I told you in the beginning, yeah, okay, and, we, and, and Reggie and I have maintained a lifelong relationship. I bet we still talk, you know, to this day, and I just hold him in very high regards. So we're having this luncheon event at Aldo's, and it's congratulations, great job, David. and so. Uh, I, he gets up to speak, and he and he says, "Hey, Dave, uh, congratulations." Make a few comments. He goes, "You know, look learn, look around the room." He goes, "There's two things I'm going to tell you, and this goes back as as I said, October of '98. So here's yeah. what 15 20 some years. I'm yeah. telling I'm telling you the story today. Yeah. And he goes, look around the room, and he said, uh, "Your success that you achieved, you didn't do it by yourself. These folks here." all invested in you, and, and, and again, I worked with some amazing people, mm. she goes, point number one is, as I said, you don't achieve a success on your own, you know, you stand on the shoulders of others, Yeah, and never forget that, yeah. and I haven't, I, and I really haven't, I, I have tried to apply that learning because of the experience I had of my journey and the people that have stepped in and prompted me up and yeah. believed in me, you know, that has that just been so uh, inspirational to me. He goes, second thing is, he goes, someday you're gonna be in a position of responsibility where it's gonna be your turn to prime the pump. Mm -hmm. Just as people have invested in you and you've helped move them along, you're gonna be in a position to help others and bring them along. Yeah. And so those two things, and in particular the second thing that is, it influenced me throughout my USAA career to be uh, an avid mentor and help individuals that were seeking how do I get better at this yeah. and, and offer whatever lef- lice- lessons or things I could share. So I took the idea of mentor and helping others develop very seriously yeah. and, and, and invested in that. But that also then <clears throat> really influenced my decision when I retired from USAA yeah. that I, I knew that there was gonna be a chapter two Yeah after 33 years, I knew there was gonna be a chapter two, didn't know what it was gonna be, and then the opportunity for Project Quest emerged uh, through a colleague of mine. And when I looked at the opportunity, that idea of being able to uh, prime the pump, uh, Quest has a wonderful mission. They were uh, well recognized and respected in the workforce development area. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw the mission and understood what they did, it just resonated with me for everything we just talked about. Your you, story. Yeah, you connect all those yeah. dots. Yep. And I said, here I am having a chance to um, retire from an amazing Fortune 100 company. And now there this opportunity presents itself to work for this nonprofit that works in an area and serves an area for people that are seeking to build their confidence, yeah. get uh, access to resources. And, and I could see myself. As a Project Quest participant, so when uh, the opportunity presented itself, and I spoke to the board and what they were looking for, and what interests me, I know they looked at me a little bit like, "Why would you want this opportunity?" Yeah, 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 yeah. But they, didn't for know, sure. they, didn't all, they didn't know. They the didn't know. They didn't know the whole. They know your story. They didn't know the whole thing.
0: Right. And so right. we
1: connected those dots, and I will tell you, I, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, every minute of my time with Project Quest. It's an amazing organization. And the way that it intersects with a lot of different parts of our community, yeah, and and helps individuals, I, as I say, build that confidence, gain mm. access to resources, uh, the stories of listening to their journey and how Quest helped them, that was a awesome opportunity for me to step into it, and take everything that had been yeah. the previous you know thirty years of my life, and lean into it, yeah. and the the team at Quest, amazing professionals. Uh, our board and so it was a perfect fit for me yeah in that sense and and be able to work with that with the community and our our city government the county and others to help find ways and solutions yeah to as i said offer confidence you know reach out if there there is so much opportunity in the city and there's so many individuals that i think want to find a way to make a better life yeah just don't know how
0: yeah, where do you begin? Where do you begin? Yeah, and, t- and that that leads to this idea. You know, when you when you think about quests, uh, one of the things that I thought about is, you ca- the timing of that were it, it's pretty crazy to think because it was was it eighteen that you started? What year did you start to quit? Seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're seventeen. So we're pr- it's prior to the pandemic, right? But what was like right away? What was the what were the challenges that you were facing? leading this organization right from the beginning because your staff, you had a small staff in the Mm -hmm, beginning, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Budgets are uh, uh, not the same as when you left. It was Mm -hmm. a different budget when you left. Talk a little bit about those challenges in the beginning when you started.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's interesting. So as I took the role on, I I tell this story all the time that I, I came into the idea with a very altruistic mindset that this is going to be a great opportunity to serve, uh, to do some of the things we talked about as far as helping others. So I had this uh, you know, rose-colored glass view of yeah. how this was gonna be a great experience to help others. Yeah. And so whether you call that a touch of arrogance with a touch of ignorance, like I can do this, yeah. and how hard could it be, and then actually stepping into the role. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I tell this to others that, you know, be careful of what you ask for sometimes, but also, you know, being more open-minded than I think I was. Cause I thought that it was going to be a more, a different opportunity. Mm. And so as I entered into the role, it certainly opened my eyes to how challenging and difficult it is for, in this case, nonprofit organizations to, yeah. to operate. And so the board, when we put this idea together and I joined them was how do you take Quest to the next level? Uh, mm-hmm. It had been serving the community at that time for 25 years, had a wonderful reputation, mm-hmm. and they uh, offered the opportunity with the idea about how do we grow it and expand it and maybe redefine it a little bit, still stay core to the mission,
0: yeah.
1: but offer a different way to deliver services. So to answer your question, those first couple of months, there was a lot of listening and learning. I mean, uh. Really, the, the first the first part was really trying to understand the nonprofit industry workforce development how quest interacted with the city government and and kind of put all those pieces
0: together yeah which is it that's a very delicate you know web of everything of of what you just described you know the
1: the, the idea of the relationships and them getting to know me so it was certainly just navigating through and trying to figure out you know how this fits Hmm. and then going back to the board shortly after that saying all right here's a game plan and we put together basically a yeah. strategy in a three-year game plan that said little by little we're going to uh, change some of our processes expand our our training offerings and, and putting those things in place and and nothing that the team had done a wonderful job but it was time to kind yeah. of um, raise the bar in terms of uh, how the organization operated around its processes and and so we put those things and started to put those things in place.
0: Now but but let me let me stop you. Uh, in this regard because I'm I'm curious because obviously you you come with 33 years of experience mm-hmm. in three different areas at USAA. Go over your three areas that you did. Didn't you do three areas at USAA? Yeah. So, yes.
1: So I, I spent about 10 years in IT. IT? And then I spent another period of time in what I call uh, process engineering, operational effectiveness, okay. management. Like Yep. That. Okay. And then the last one? And the last one was really in human resources. Okay. So uh, I was uh, uh, staffing, recruiting, training, compensation, uh, executive. Isn't of, that I,
0: rare at USAA to be able to be in three different? Yeah. That's rare. Yeah. I remember you telling me about that when we were in LSA together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so – You have this unique skill set and you come to a nonprofit with all of this experience of process building, leadership, human resources. I would imagine there's you're probably making a list of there's five thousand things we could do. Right. Or change. Mm -hmm. But coming in as as an outsider, you said, let me just stop and listen. Yeah. And look, yeah, which would be really difficult to do because I'm sure after day one or two you're gonna look around and go, I know what we need. I I, I know there's some, these are the things we need to change. But you wanted to stop and listen, and this is a message to anybody that gets an opportunity, right, to to lead something, mm-hmm. is to be patient mm-hmm. and and learn mm-hmm. as much as you can. Yeah. Uh, but my I guess my question to this is. Of all that you learned from you I say, Hey, what was the first thing that you like, I need to implement this at Quest to help us raise the bar? Oh wow.
1: So that listening tour took about five months, right? Okay. And so I think the the where we started, it's gonna sound and for those that know me are probably gonna smile at this, but it started with we need to have kind of a, a thought process around a plan of action. Okay. I mean I think we needed to kind of organize well, not kind of, we did, it was really kind of lay out what is gonna be our roadmap going forward. And that roadmap had various elements to it that, that range from process to services to how you budget, how you report your metrics and those kind of things. Bringing that discipline, it's funny, when I was about to take the job, I had a former colleague of mine who was, uh, I worked for at USA who led another nonprofit here in San Antonio and we had lunch together and uh, his advice to me was, you know, you can't bring what we call USA intensity to the role because the two won't be compatible. Okay. And so I remember that, and that's why you know any I think any good things I've learned from leadership, any good leadership uh, is you got to stop and listen and, uh, and learn and and one hundred percent you, you got to do that and, and not have those preconceived notions because then. You know some of the things or skills that I apply that I learned over those years. You yeah. figure out what would work in this scenario. Not yeah. everything that you would do in a large corporation applies here, but yeah. any to me any business any organization you run there's fundamentals to it. Yep, and you apply them whether it's to your family, to uh, your church activities, to your small business, to a nonprofit. And some of those fundamentals is you need to have. Uh, some structure, roadmap, some process in place and and be able to then communicate that, create yeah. accountability. And so it's it, it wasn't anything like one thing, yeah, but it was just bringing, I think, a sense of structure and yeah. focus on different things. And then really showing the team, yeah. because it gets back to developing your people what they're capable of doing.
0: yeah, so
1: so the the key part to me was, Kind of assessing the talent we had, and we did have some very good talent that was interested and eager to learn and do different things. So you create, if it's, it's going to sound cliché, you create the vision. Yep. You try to explain uh, why you want to go there. Uh, hopefully, motivate and inspire folks to unleash their potential, mm-hmm. and everyone kind of works together collaboratively. And and so the transformation that we went through in Quest was pretty. Phenomenal. Yeah. What did
0: you start out with? How many employees did y'all start out with when yeah, you first started? In,
1: yeah, in 2017, we were probably somewhere around 21, 22 employees. 21, 22. 21, 22 okay. employees. Okay, got it. Yeah. And then by the when I when I retired, we uh, actually had 44 employees. Wow. But that was really more driven by uh, the pandemic, for lack of a better term. But yeah. also, I think the city's the the main thing was the city's investment in what's called ready to work. Okay. And so yeah. if anyone's following that in the local community, that was the city that is the city's initiative yeah. to train several thousand people and using taxpayer dollars. There was a proposition back in the 2020 election Yeah. proposition B that uh, promoted putting taxpayer dollars in place to uh, help train individuals. Yeah. Quest became one of, for primary service providers to help you know, for that yeah. and because of that influx of investment it uh that through that and then what was called train for jobs we expanded our services to meet the demand that was put in front of us we drew that we grew the the, the staff yeah. and our services in response to the city's desire for us to have yeah. more capacity and capabilities and it was and doing that during a pandemic was, you know, quite a challenge. That's challenging. Yeah. But all those, all those lessons, Tomas, about, you know, how to run an organization, how do you build structure? They, they all apply. How do you develop capacity? It takes, you know, some planful thinking, it takes organizing your team, it takes a little bit of uh, perseverance, dedication, and it takes a little bit of luck.
0: Yeah. And when okay. I say
1: yeah, when I say luck, yeah. Uh, when I say luck, back in 2018, Quest was recognized by the uh, Zuckerberg uh, Foundation, uh, by the Rockefeller Foundation and Zuckerberg yeah. Group as being a top one of the 10 uh, nonprofits in the nation mm. that was uh, really achieving its mission. And as a result, we received a $1 million. I remember right? that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, and when I say luck, that the result of our hard work got the notice and this opportunity through the Rockefeller Foundation for yeah. this funding allowed us to have funds to build infrastructure
0: Mm. So it allowed us to
1: redo our computer systems, to upgrade our technology, to change our footprint, and being able to change that and doing that in the front end before the pandemic set us up in a good place. Yeah. The way. Yeah. So
0: that's it, it. You know, it's interesting. I, I, you, 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 it's what, what I, I know. There's a quote about that, right? Like luck is being prepared, and you know, when and when the you know it's been that when the opportunity comes, you yeah. know, like this idea. It's right. Mm-hmm. What is it really lucky or? Was it just the circumstances all came together, right? Is it kind of serendipity, you know? But you're right. Luck, it's kind of both, right? Go ahead. What were you yeah, going to say?
1: So I think luck is when opportunity meets preparation. When
0: opportunity meets... There yeah. it is. Yes. Yeah. When, luck, when opportunity meets preparation, mm-hmm. right? And people say, well, that's lucky. Well, the opportunity came and I was ready. Yeah. I that's, was prepared. That, that, that's the point I was going to say. The, yes. The work that,
1: uh, and it predated me. So when Quest was, in, Quest was in operation for 25 years before I showed up. Right. And they had already built... Uh, a reputation for being a top-notch workforce development agency. Uh, we just took it and built upon that uh, success. Right. But that success allowed us to be competitive for that Rockefeller opportunity. Yeah. And then we, being recognized, we were then ready to take that opportunity and build upon it. And so yeah. the investments were, were, were well underway. And that served as a catalyst yeah. to be ready so when the pandemic yeah. hit,
0: we we were, you may not have been prepared without that exactly right.
1: I hate to think about yeah. what would have happened yeah. had we not been prepared, and then trying to navigate uh, a nonprofit during the the pandemic. And it was counterintuitive mm-hmm. because at that time, if you remember, the unemployment rate spiked because yeah. of, and it was so. When I say counterintuitive, the the city at that time was using uh, trying to find ways to. Offset and create employment opportunities for those being displaced. And we had a, a massive number of uh, citizens that were displaced. And Quest was being asked at that time, can you expand your services when we're in this environment? and mm-hmm. And we really had a, we talked to the board and we thought long and hard, and we felt that it was our responsibility to try to respond to it. So we're working remote. Mm. We're trying to uh, staff up. And build capacity during the pandemic using yeah. the funding that was called for trained for jobs, and and help the community recover. Yeah, and, and so
0: so you're fully operational. I mean, this was you were in the thick of it we during were COVID. In, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, and and it didn't slow down because that moved into Prop B, the uh, the one eighth sales tax, which led to Ready to Work, and being selected. So I'm very proud of the team. I, I can't say enough about. The, the leadership of our board of directors, the individuals that were part of the executive team at Quest, how they just they just stood up to it. They just, awesome. they, and, and, and from my standpoint, just being able to work with individuals that had that commitment, so we are gonna make this happen. It, it inspired and motivated me. And yeah. so the the team really did an an awesome job through those two years of navigating the pandemic, yeah. responding. And so by the time we get to where we are now, you know, Quest is well-positioned and, and serving the community as part of the Ready to Work team right now.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. So tell me about an individual story, a success story. I know you have hundreds of them, <laughs> um, and you may not be able to say their 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 name. I don't know if you can or you can't, but I'd love to hear somebody that kind of came through this program and then the success journey afterwards.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, There there is. Uh, that's the part that warmed my heart the most. We would do periodic Graduations or VIP ceremonies, and you get to hear um, their stories and the role that Quest played, you know, in their stories. And and so there's several that you know stick out, you know, in my mind. But I uh, a couple that uh, come to mind is we had an individual, you know, come through. And if you think about these folks, they they are uh, in their own financial situations, they're struggling to make ends meet. And where Quest fits into that equation is we're able to provide executive, uh, provide coaching to help somebody navigate the educational system to keep them motivated, uh, help them as they ebb ebb and flow through and keep them on task with their courses and help them uh, graduate and move into their own professional career. Mm -hmm. And one individual that uh, went through our program, which I was really proud of, actually became an entrepreneur, okay, and started their own um, training program, okay, and helps create uh, uh, opportunities for individuals to get that basic—we uh, don't call it CNA, but that basic medical assistant training, okay. Yeah. But they without Quest, they would have they would not have finished the program, be mm. able to then uh, get a professional career. But we're so. Um, uh, grateful to the opportunity and inspired yeah. to step out and start their own, um, business, so to speak, yeah. training business. And now we have this, um, relationship with their, one of our training partners, oh, wow. providing training for quest for quest, uh, participants along the way. And, and the stories go on and on the, the backstory of people that are basically homeless living in their car. Yeah. Uh, coming out of the foster system, mm. that are just looking for an opportunity to take that next step, and Quest positions itself as that bridge. Mm. And and you know our our model, predicated on our career coaches, the career coaches do such a wonderful job of being that voice of reason, that voice of building confidence and trust. That that's the secret sauce to why Quest has a unique brand of uh, workforce development because of that hands-on coaching piece mm-hmm. that allows individuals to have somebody they're tethered to, yeah. and we're not going to let them fail. Yeah and and, and so that's the powerful yeah the stories the stories go on and on I really want to protect you know people's uh for sure yeah that part No of it. I understand but my gosh uh, when we would do graduation and listen to their testimonies mm-hmm. and that's what filled up the team that's what motivated the team that said when you can change someone's life and be part of that yeah. you you want to come back and do more of that and you know we're serving more people than we ever have but the the whole quest Uh, experience Mm -hmm. has been you know uh, uh, means a lot to me and I'm very proud of the work that the team did but the reason for everything we just spent the last 45 minutes talking about all those those dots connect and I think anyone listening today if you're if you have that doubting yourself or if you have that confidence factor that you're trying to overcome if you're looking for resources there are organizations out there like quest yeah. and others that certainly can be that uh, reason that 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 connection to help you kind of figure your way out and take mm-hmm. that next step along the way
0: and, and it sounds like you know if you, if you think about it I mean basically if somebody comes into the program they have a they, they get a, a coach right mm-hmm. this this may be the first person that sits down with them and says I believe in you no it, doubt. Right? No doubt. Like this no doubt. literally, and, and I I mean, I'm just getting goosebumps just thinking about that, is you, you've got somebody, they're sitting across, it's, you know, 30, 40 years old, mm-hmm. and they've never had anybody believe in them, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and, and then teach them the fundamentals, mm-hmm. Which, which, I mean, obviously you've you've addressed that, right? It's like there are basic fundamentals that you and I, we may have learned with our parents. Mm-hmm. We learned with, you know, mom and dad kind of walking us through, brothers and sisters walking mm-hmm. us through, mentors in college that kind of sat next to us but 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 somebody sitting there um just saying I believe in you. I, I just had a recent I was uh, playing pickleball with my dad we were at, at Lifetime mm-hmm. and there was a gentleman playing with my dad and and I pulled my dad aside and I said, "Do you do you know the story of his dad and what happened with me and my dad?" You know, he he mm-hmm. didn't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, this gentleman he was playing with, he's same age as my brothers, he's in his 30s, and I sat at a Dave and Buster's With his dad, who was a military master's degree, Mm -hmm. and we were just talking, or you know, my son was out playing or whatever. And I, I remember, uh, no, I didn't have Enzo at the time. Enzo was, yeah, I I don't know. I was there with, I brought my brothers there. Anyways, I'm sitting there talking with him, and I said, "Hey, I've got this opportunity to get, you know, to get this master's degree, but I don't, I really don't want to do it." Mm -hmm. And I remember he literally looked at me and he said, "You need to go get your masters." You have an opportunity. Mm -hmm. You don't have kids at this point because Enzo wasn't born yet. Mm -hmm. He goes, you need to take advantage of this opportunity. I did it, and now you need to go do it. Now, of course, everybody around me was telling me this. But here's somebody not a part of my family looking at me saying, you can go do it. Go take the GRE, which Mm -hmm. we all know about the GRE. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to take the (laughs) GRE, right? And I remember sitting there going, I'm going to go get my master's degree. It took that one person just looking at me, coaching me, saying, hey, you can do it. Go do it, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's what we need, and that's what Project Quest provides. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. What's the website? If anybody's listening to this, what's the website uh, for Project Quest?
1: www.questsa.org.
0: Questsa.org. That's fantastic. Mm Now, I— You've retired from this too now, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got your 33 years. You were at Project Quest for how long? 33 years. Now, 33 years at yeah. Quest as well.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I was at Quest uh, 33 years. USA. USA. That's right. Five and a half years Quest.
0: Five and a half years at Quest, and and now this is we're we're moving into this next chapter, which I want to talk about because you you talked about you a uh, UTSA. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just being a part of this program, and the other day we started talking about this whole idea of the NIL and Mm -hmm. and, and name, image, and likeness, right? And I think there's – I want you to talk a little bit about this because for UTSA football, like our UTSA football team – is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the program of what they've built is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so now with this portal and the NIL, the landscape, as you told me earlier, everything is about to change. Mm-hmm. But the portal, talk a little bit about that and how the community of San Antonio can really step behind mm-hmm. the 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 the, the roadrunners here and help continue the legacy of what they've been building.
1: Well, from an alumni perspective, I mean, uh, I'm mean i an be, alumni yeah, too, alumni, so we got to stick al- together. Yeah, yeah, alumni perspective because I can't, uh, uh, I don't feel that the inside of, of what uh, how the program's working. I'll you know leave that to the coaches and the athletic director, but from an outside view looking in, you know, I've I've said this to other folks, and again, I probably have a bias to the university. Back to what I talked about, you know, that uh, being a longtime alumni and how the university played a role in my particular life, but I just have this belief right now. That uh, just what uh, what Dr. Amy has done first with the university and where the university stands right now. I just believe UTSA is such an important element to the future of San Antonio yeah. economically. Yeah, and so uh, I think we have to start with the, the the institution itself and you know its own journey and where it is right now and some of the amazing things that have just happened in the last couple of years and what's happening with the downtown campus mm. and so uh, the the, love, the top research institute so as an alumni there's a sense of pride that the university just has emerged and yeah. continues to emerge as a as a really important element to the city yeah. and to our future economic development and workforce development retention so i look at it from that standpoint yeah and and so when i talk about sports or i bring that up you know, I'm, I'm obviously very interested in the sports, and let's be honest and fair that your sports programs, in particular probably your football programs and your basketball programs, certainly give the face to the university on a national stage. Mm-hmm. And the, the work that uh, Dr. Lisa Campos has done and Coach Traylor in particular with the athletic programs in general, but the football program in particular, mm-hmm. has really uh, put UTSA on the map in yeah. a different way, yeah. And so there, for those that have not followed the program in the university, I, I think that those dots are how I connect them. That you know, for the city of San Antonio first, how important the university is, and what we've done academically in the programs, but then how the sports programs enhance mm. that presence for UTSA. And as we are speaking, you know, the the idea of how college athletics has evolved—it's not just UTSA, but
0: oh, it's for everybody. Yeah, the
1: introduction yeah. of the the transfer portal that that, that took place in twenty eighteen, so kids can now move uh, from school to school.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because I I I literally just heard about the portal, like it felt like a week ago, mm-hmm. and this has been going on since eighteen. I think,
1: think twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Wow. And so it opens up avenues where. Uh, athletes, and not just football, can, can make themselves available to move from one school to another. And that's got a positive and negative yeah. component to it. And I think that, you know, not speaking for our athletic programs, but from what I've seen and being exposed to them, we've built a, a wonderful culture in our athletic programs. Yep. And uh, the way that we're handling our student athletes is, is top notch, so uh, hat, uh, hats off to all the coaches. And I've had a chance to hear them speak recently and then you know what the coach trailer's doing with the football program. But the complexity of sustaining uh, that level of quality, you know, the school's moving into the American Athletic Conference on July first, mm-hmm. so different level of competition, which I think is gonna be very, very exciting for the fans and for the alumni to see us compete mm-hmm. at that level. But then is how you sustain uh, your competitiveness in, in when, uh, you talk about, you know, I just recently learned about what's considered the uh, NIL, the name yeah. image likeness. Yeah. And, and so that certainly has added a new variable to college athletics. And I think that it's just important that we all kind of get educated on what that is and how that may impact all of our athletic programs. Yeah. And it seems from what I can understand that you know the community rising up and being involved, yeah. to uh, of how NIL impacts your athletic program is an important new element to it. And again, yeah. I am just really understanding. And when you combine the transfer portal with uh, NIL and others, it just makes the the world of college athletics different. And then how does how does UTSA respond? You know to that. And again, from the outside looking in, just as an alum, I'm very interested in saying, how do you support that? And I think getting a little sense of just all of us getting knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. that and supporting the programs is really important. So I want to be uh, thoughtful that that how the university speaks about that is probably one way, but from an alumni outside looking in, just being very supportive and understanding that the, the landscape continues to shift and college athletics is, is a different ball game than it was several years ago. Oh yeah. But how that also influences the brand of the university. And then as I said, how the university influences, you know, San Antonio, all those dots connect.
0: Well, they connect because, you know, if you, 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 we have a tier one university right here in San Antonio, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have UTSA, even I graduated in 99. Mm -hmm. So from ninety nine to today, it is literally a completely different university mm-hmm. from when I graduated. I think uh, back then, it was what twenty two thousand students, maybe, Maybe. maybe, And what is it now?
1: I, it's I know it's north of thirty five thousand ish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so
0: so we're talking about a university that is getting the number of students um that are at that crazy, high level mm-hmm. of, you know, almost forty thousand students. And so i I, I think, with the, the you know what you were explaining to me is now that athletes can get paid in their name image and likeness this could transform you know some of the recruits that we get and so you were telling me about a website that's helping with this you were telling me about something in in San Antonio I think you were telling me something about a group of business owners that are trying to help
1: yeah, there is. Uh, from what I understand, there is a group uh, that's heading up what's called Two Ten Inspire.
0: There you go, Two Ten
1: Inspire. Two Ten Inspire. Yeah, which is a, a group of individuals coming together to help support the how how the community can support the uh, NIL in, initiatives mm-hmm. in sense of giving uh, athletes an opportunity to serve in the community, but then to re- receive some form of, I guess, compensation for lack right. of a better term from that standpoint. And again, it's, and that's separate and apart from the university. Right. This is, a, this is something standalone. It's kind of
0: outside yeah. people organization. It's like a booster. It sounds like to me, like almost like a booster yeah, to guess, some degree. I guess you could put it, in, right? you can put it in that yeah. category. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I mean, I would ha- I would hate to see what we've built slowly be like taken away because some of these other schools. I mean, let's be honest. How much money does UT have? How much money do these other schools sure, have? Right. Sure. I mean, there's there's endless amounts of money mm-hmm. that they could pour into these athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, UTSC hadn't got they haven't gotten to that level yet. Mm-hmm. But we but we can slowly but surely start to build up uh, because I would I, I and it would it would just think that we would, you know, start to basically all, all the great kids, all the great students go to the best yeah. schools. That's it.
1: And I think one thing that I've learned is, you know, across all 17 of the programs. Yeah. UTSA has had a great deal of success. The baseball team, for example, right now is on a tear, they're ranked in the top 25.
0: Wow. And
1: uh, the golf program and others have had great success along the way. Yeah. So you got to look at the totality, the big picture. True, you know, that's in, a good point. Because all the programs, I think, have have something to contribute and have had degrees. The soccer program just had a phenomenal season. So again, from an alum, just paying attention to see you want to help the university be successful, because I think we see it as a way for San Antonio to be successful. And I just think that the the uh, the work that uh, Dr. Campos has done mm-hmm. across all athletics and the culture that she's built and the quality of the coaching staff, it, it is something to be proud of. We see yeah. a lot about that in the football program, but I think across all the programs and the, the culture that I can see just yeah. uh, being around it a little bit is, is very impressive and very proud of it. And then you add to that these other variables around uh, – the transfer portal and, and how you uh, recruit kids and maintain a roster certainly challenges athletic programs in a different kind of way. Yeah. But, but we're on the right track. And I think that UTSA is certainly going to, is a destination school for a lot of athletes because yeah. you're going to get the education. You're going to play in a, in the seventh largest city in the, in the country. It's true. You've got quality coaching. So there's a lot of positives that along the way, it's just now that the landscape continues to evolve, and I think that from a community standpoint, understanding that and saying yeah. how can we lean in to help would be something that would be worth everyone's time to, to kind of look at a little closer.
0: Yeah, so, I, so this would be a call to all alumni, myself included, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? I graduated in 99 with a teaching degree. We gotta get involved. We gotta mm-hmm. stay connected to the Absolutely. university. I think that's what it's telling me, so anybody listen to this, your former U- UTSA student, alumni, Let's get back. Let's support uh, what they're doing. Uh, I was at that first game, the double overtime game, with my mom, Mm -hmm. and we lost our mind. Like, that (laughs) was one of the most exciting games. I know you were at that game, too. It was this year uh, or last year. But but what an exciting uh, 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 – what they've built is is phenomenal. Wrapping this up, David, I I would say um, you talked about the fundamentals, but if you could boil it down to, you know – You've, you've had an, a blessed career, you know, you, you've been a mentor to so many people, like mm-hmm. to myself and to Wesley and, 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 and some of the great friends from, you, uh, uh, from LSA. What, what would you say... You know, to somebody right now that, that, that maybe they're at a point in their career where they're just kind of like, I just, I'm not really, I'm not sure if I'm liking what I'm doing. I'm not sure if this is direction to me. What would you say to somebody that's kind of at that point right now in their career?
1: Well, I, I would think that that's first a legit thought because uh, uh, one thing that we have to all pay attention to is you got to kind of be intentional about who you want to be. Right. So that. there's, there's an intentionality to it that we, we have a tendency. I think sometimes I talk to folks that just kind of fall into that groove and they become complacent and then and time moves on. Yeah. And so, you know, you get that question all the time about where do you want to be in five years? Right. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, that's fine. But I think that to answer your question, just uh, I had someone tell me one time, be who you want to be on purpose, mm. you know? And so that requires a little bit of self-reflection about, what is it that makes you up and what you're trying to accomplish with your life? And work is part of that, but it's not all how you define yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, the thoughts about taking that time, whatever you're doing, to reflect upon, you know, who you are and what you want to be and kind of yeah. own that and saying, you know, I want to be very intentional about my actions. I want to be uh, intentional about where I want to move to. I want to be who I want to be on purpose, not by accident. I love that. And then be willing to seek out um, the resources. That people take a little bit of a risk. You know, don't. It's not wrong to ask for help or feedback. And then be willing to lean into it because uh, whatever whatever reflection drives you to take a, a, a fork in the road, it's work. They call it work for a reason. That's right. right? And so it's not going to yeah. happen. You can't be the passenger in your life. You have to be in the driver's seat. And then so that that point of reflection, but then be willing to commit and put the the sweat equity into whatever tasks you're going to take on and understand that it's not going to be an easy road. You're going to hit bumps along the way. You're going to have to persevere through it. Yeah. So it kind of I think it kind of starts with that point of, like I said, self-reflection and then having that idea of what you want to accomplish very intentionally, who you want to be and then be willing. Yeah. You know, be willing to take those steps and lean into it. And do the work. Yeah. It it, it, it <laughs> is it is so easy to to think about it. It is so hard to put action because you can talk yourself out of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know? Oh I've, sure. Got, I've got this going on. I can't do this. You can talk yourself out of it. Yeah. And next thing you know, five years go on down the road and you're still in that situation. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you gotta own it. Yeah, you got to own
0: it. I love that. Be intentional on purpose. Right. With what you want to be, be intentional and be on purpose and and know and say who you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. about that when when I watched Wesley Raul and, and William uh, and Rob, when I saw them cross that finish line, the reality of Iron Man became like, well, maybe. And then I had to go. Okay, intentionally, I want to go do this mm-hmm. and purposely go set about doing it. Um,
1: but then, more importantly, what I respect is putting the sweat equity and the challenges you had yeah. to get yourself to a point, and what you had to overcome. I mean, everything we're talking about, you can fit into your own experience yeah. in your Ironman journey to get there. That certainly inspires me. So yeah. I've got my running shoes and I'm trying to get back into yeah. shape, but I think Tomas, that that is a, a great point that in your own story, yeah, that sequence that you went through to prepare yourself, your own setback, having to get yourself back up and, and be very intentional and put the sweat equity in yeah. to it is something that, you know, that that's exactly, you know, what we're talking about here that inspires and motivates me along the way. So you, you know, you've kind of walked that talk.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, David, listen, I appreciate you being on TM3 Impact. My man <laughs> is a great conversation. It was fun. And uh I can't wait to hear about the next part of this journey.
1: That's coming. Yeah. That's coming as we uh as I start to formulate the idea for the consulting business, yeah. and the Daza Consulting Group. That yes. is certainly uh, in the formulation stage and yeah. so any website
0: yet anything not yet, not yet? I mean
1: okay. I'm slow rolling right. a little bit I'm still I like on, that that's I, good six months yeah I'm still six I'm months. still in that retirement <laughs> window give me a little bit of time <laughs> but we're looking maybe to the second half of the year we will doing a launch and, and okay. getting that getting that up and running and and using that as a platform to help other nonprofits and small businesses gain access to resources so stay tuned to uh, There may be a chapter three in the books. It's
0: going to be an amazing (laughs) chapter three. You kidding me? It's going to be an amazing chapter three. I'm excited to be along the ride, David. Have an amazing day. Thank you for being on TM3. All right. Thanks for having me. Take care. Woo.